This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake or check out their website at icellers.ca. Find out how you can support us like Adnan by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine. Where you guys are totally altruistic, it's like I said, it's I'm not comparing you in any way to this guy, but we all know Tony Aspler helped put Canada on the map by... He doesn't say too much bad unless somebody really deserves to get it. And he says a lot of good, but most of the time he shuts up about the mediocre stuff. But more importantly than any of that, he consistently looks at the world and looks at Niagara, sorry, Ontario, just like you do. And I think the underlying message of everything you do, and it's my personal opinion, is like you're beyond the look ontario's breathlessly as good as the rest of the world but you do it with such love and such consistency and whether it's a good cabernet Franc or a good even dare i say it cabernet sauvignon you'll look at it taste the wine on its merits look at the terroir and you'll deliver what you think and i think ultimately in the long term the message that comes through is we love all the wines of the world, but we're turning you on to local stuff as well. And, and you know, it's like the I4C's message, right? Yep. Come here, drink Blanc de Blanc Champagne, drink Chablis, drink Jura Blanc, drink Alto Adige, and drink, if you really like it, Russian River. However, try to get through that for five years in a row without noticing that Ontario does great Chardot at the I4C. That was the whole idea. Everybody's on the same stage. So I think... You guys, with everything you do, you put everything on the same stage, but you live here, so there's ultimately you're going to winnow through stuff and find stuff you like. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre, how are you? I am very good. How are you? I, I, I can't complain. I can't complain. I'm staring out the window at a very cold rainy kind of day and i'm like oh why can't i get outside um well i know we've done uh, quite a bit of uh chatting about covid what we've been drinking and what's going on um we have found a way to keep ourselves amused during covid with what you're going to experience over the next six or seven weeks or so more drinking more drinking uh but we have friend of the podcast and uh, highly anticipated guest to our listeners, Thomas Bachelder, joining us for a three-part series on the Violette release that uh, BachelderNiagara.com has just launched. Do you know what he never explained, and maybe you can explain it, uh, because you're like always Mr. Website. Why did he call it the Violette release? <laughs> uh, I know Violette's the name of one of his two daughters. Correct, I knew that uh, part. But I, but I don't know the reason for why this is called the Violette release. Oh, maybe we should ask him in a later podcast. Yeah, we can definitely do that. So what we've done is uh, we've split the um, we've split the podcast into three parts because uh, selfishly we didn't want to dump any of these wines down the sink. When you open ten bottles of samples all at once, it's just not feasible to responsibly consume them all. And we knew. And that... the other the other reason would be that uh, if we hadn't, it would be a four hour podcast. Which, I mean, the recording sessions with Thomas turn into that anyways, but uh, we're, we're going to be talking about Chardonnay, which I was very excited about, Pinot Noir, which I think we're both looking forward to, Yes, and I think the one you were the most excited about was Gamay. I had no idea he was making that many Gamay's, so uh, yeah, I, I, I got all wet about that one. So before we, because we're, we're going to be, we're, we're recording these after the fact, this is in between part one, two, and we're about to record part three. But without further ado, here is part one of our podcast with Thomas Bachelder talking about the idea of, I guess, terroir. Is that still a good word to say, or is that out of fashion now? And Chardonnay. No, we're talking, we're talking terroir, but uh, we're talking your Ballywick Chardonnay. Oh yeah. Do either of you have in your fridge or by your hand any other Chardonnay that is not these ones that we could take a sip of first, even if they're not the same, or? Or are we just starting as we start? We're starting with yours. Okay, that here we go. That being said, I do have a lot of Chardonnay within arm's reach of me. Uh, so we got some 16 Mile and some Featherstone and some 
light. Yeah, but you don't have a. You don't want to open a fourth Chardonnay tonight if you don't have to. No, and I've got a Meldville to. here. I'm just I'm just throwing names out so that Michael has to tag. Oh, oh right. he's trying to get me to tag it. All right, let's kick this thing right off. Uh, obviously, people recognize that voice. For God's sakes, if you if you've listened to the podcast in any way, shape, or form, you've heard that voice. He is the most. Uh, the most appearances by a guest, and actually we are going to throw three more onto that wood pile. It's going it's to be a very Thomas Bachelder 2020 for us. It is. So we're going to put, uh, we're, Thomas is releasing wines as we speak. He's releasing Chardonnay, he's releasing Gamay, and he's releasing Pinot. And uh, we're going to have him on three times. Thomas, if you get to 10 appearances, you get uh, a glass or something. I'm not sure what we Well, you said a glass, and I, I'm a glass geek, so I will take the glass. All right, we'll go to glass, and maybe we'll engrave it with uh, with one of those uh, Sharpie markers. And oh, um, so today we're going to start off with the Chardonnay, and we have three. So that's pretty exciting for Andre anyway. Yippee! Um, so, Ooh. Thomas, uh, yeah. you're going to explain what we have in front of us. Um, virtually, I, I guess. Spilled a bunch of chardonnay on my pants, but that's okay. Well, <laughs> okay. it's good. It's good to know you're wearing pants. I am not. I am not wearing yeah, pants right now. Out of me again. I'm wearing pants. It's true. Okay, so gents. Uh, so the idea generally with Batch Elder is we have something at the LCBO which we call blackboard label, or in French l'ardoise when you go to a French restaurant and you see the menu written on a on a slate board. Uh, that is our LCBO, which is a blend of all the vineyards we do. Is that now, is that the uh, the reason you have the black label now for that? The black label has always been that, but the black label also. But it was, it's the reason because it's the chalkboard idea. Yeah, it's a chalkboard idea. Oh. Yeah, for sure. I, did, I didn't know that was the reason behind it. It's a chalkboard idea, and uh, it is all these vineyards, which I'm sure we'll we'll tell people soon. But it's all these single vineyards we do. One, and but it may be the odd other vineyard also that we don't want to do as a single vineyard for various reasons. There's nothing wrong with them. They just don't have a definable character. Whereas we do something else called Les Villages in Chardonnay, Pinot and Gamay, which is really just the immediately declassified uh, barrels from the single vineyards. So if you're making uh, if you're making three single vineyards of four barrels each. It's 300 bottles of barrel or 25 cases per barrel prior to the loss. You also, you might have a, you know, four barrels. You might have a fifth that nearly made it in. Well, that's the one that goes into village and probably we should be tasting that today. But the problem is we released that earlier, that in our last release and it's gone. So here we are starting off with the three single vineyards today. So, so the one at the board is how much? The one at the board is like uh, twenty-five bucks. Okay. The uh, and the village. The village is thirty-four ninety-five. So Got that it. is single vineyard quality, just not the focus of a single vineyard. And then these three single vineyards are essentially in in white and red. Sorry, in Pinot and in Chardonnay, forty-four ninety-five, with the exception of Lowry in red and Wismer Wingfield in white. And 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 I digress because we're going to taste these and say, well. Why does that merit it? And if so, blah, blah, blah. But I would well, love the, the to wing, start... The Wingfield with, is how much then? The Wingfield's forty-seven ninety-five. I would right. love to start with the Wilms. So okay. here, here, you guys have more experience than me with trying to taste everything and trying to nail terroir down. I just try to nail down the terroir that I do, right? I, I, I have not enough time to do everybody else's. But what I would say is this. In doing Burgundy... Niagara and Oregon and then consistently having people say, you know, sometimes I like your Oregon better. Sometimes I like the Burgundy better, but Niagara is the crux of what you're doing. It's what's the most interesting. I've heard it now for six years. So I'm like, let's make that, that three vineyard symbol on the batch elder label uh, be Niagara. So actually we're tasting, we're tasting 17 today, gents, but in 19, Batchelder did from Hamilton to Four Mile Creek and Niagara Lake. Why? Because the glass is half empty. I'd say, why don't I own anything except on my barrels and this 
the huge rent we pay here in our little cellar in our, <laughs> our tasting room. Why don't we own more? Well, that's the bad news. The good news is we're not stuck in one village. So you got to look at what life gives you and we'll make not, you know, not going to bitch about the lemons. We'll make lemonade. So we're going to go increasingly anybody who offers us an interesting plot of fruit will look at it seriously and if it really doesn't cut the uh, if it doesn't cut it the mustard we won't do it again if it's pretty good it'll go into the black label along with the single vineyards if it's really good it'll become a single vineyard and go into the village that's the idea going forward but altruistically the idea is also in real time to try to nail down these sub apps and say what makes them special so the first wine here is something we tried for three years to get. God love the Wilms family. Esther and Irv, they're like the salt of the earth. They're wonderful. They were part of 13th Street for, you guys would know, I wouldn't know how many years. 13th Street, like Batchelder's trying to do with what success it remains to be seen, 13th Street released twice a year for many years and sold out. And uh, and then they sold to the Witties, and of course, 13th Street has become this big and beautiful thing at, 30, at, at with the Witties. But when it was just Irv and Ken Douglas and and the Gunthers and um, fitting the fourth family, which you'll know, they did two releases a year. One of which was this Wilms Vineyard, and it was called back then Sandstone, which means something slightly different today, I think, in 13th Street. So. The people that I know that are doing Sandstone today, which is now called Wilms, are Shauna, Adamo, and us. And we choose the farthest east part of the vineyard. And for those of you who don't come as often as you'd like to Niagara, east is the Niagara River or the Lewiston Buffalo Niagara Falls USA side. West is Hamilton. North is Toronto. South is Lake Erie. So the farthest east side uh, has takes longer to get ripe and has a more mineral intensity to it. The west side is a little more tropical. We don't take that side, so that's why I always taste the grapes before I I harvest. It, it seems there at sandstone uh, oldest plantings are from uh, from eighty three. Uh, that seems to be correct, uh, Thomas. Yeah. So as I said. We have the 1983 planting in front of us here now, and they also planted Gamay that year. And we'll be doing Gamay some other time when we meet again from the same vineyard. But this was the first year we did anything from them in 17. And uh, I was so thrilled because I moved here and I was such a bench snob. I thought the bench would be the biggest and the richest, right? I'm an Ontarian, I'm a Canadian, but I was Quebecois, born in Quebec, but I moved here from Oregon, and I'm like, the bench is it, dudes. It's limestone bench. It's going to be the biggest and greatest. Well, the bench isn't the biggest. It's maybe the finest. It's arguably the finest, but it's not the deepest colored stuff you can get in the peninsula. Those things tend to come from Niagara Lake, Lincoln Lakeshore, Creek Shores, where there's a little more deep clay soils. Depends what you prize. What I prize is not deep or light or rich or perfumed. I prize, I prize character. And, and so if we were going to be known for doing the bench for so many years, the Closure Dan, after the Closure Dan, then Batchelder, Kalus, now the Closure Dan again, I wanted to start with a Niagara Lake that would have finesse. So it, it, it struck me that the Wilms Vineyard, ex-Sandstone, 1983, plantation would have some gravitas and some minerality even though it quotes wasn't bench so shall we taste it i've already I've... tasted it i'm just i'm just thrilled that uh there is wine made from a vineyard planted the year i was born but i guess my bubble's been burst that i'm now old vines yes <laughs> old andre's vines. andre's vine is quite old now it turns out so <laughs> Uh, I, I really I really like this wine. Uh, I always like uh, like old vines wines. This um, this one's kind of neat. And you know, this is. And, and you say go you ahead. said you didn't like richness, but I I do find a richness in Very this rich. in this wine. Yeah, I, I no no I love richness. I just I just I love the leanness of the bench. So if I was going to do Niagara Lake, I wanted to find in the richness of Niagara Lake 
some some uh, what the French would say skelet, some good core strength. And uh, at the risk of Mr. Pooh, who's visited Burgundy lately and is at the risk of instigating him into further talk about Burgundy, I must tell you that what I discovered in Merceau led me to be able to understand uh, Four Mile Creek in Nagano Lake, which is right now in history, in the last five years, Merceau has been picking an average of two weeks earlier when they don't need to. And this is very opinionated, you know, uh, you know, spoiler alert, it's very opinionated and it's not gospel. What I think is they're trying to make the bones of Merceau finer by picking earlier and they're getting away with it because they have old vines and tightly spaced rows. So they pick super early and the wine isn't green because the tight rows make sure that they they pump up minerality, right? So they're able to do it, get a 12-5 wine, 12-5 potential wine. They don't shaptalize because it's cool to have 12-5 instead of 13-5 these days. I agree with all this. But Merso is broader than some of the appellations like Pulny Montrachet and Chassagne, Montrachet next door, Saint-Aubin, and even Merceau Blagny, which is up on the hill. So they're kind of not a judgmental thing, trying to make it something it isn't. So I have to watch about when I come to Niagara-the-Lake as someone who's, you know, that's a great terroir, and it's, I'm clearly someone who doesn't know much about it, I agree, but I'm going to try to do it in a finesse way without without doing it in a denatured way. But one thing I learned in Merceau when I was working for Chateau Genot Boulanger, Chateau Genot Boulanger, is that um, it takes to the wood in a way that the other appellations don't. Like, just like the Grand Clos of the Clos Jardin or Wismer Wingfield, which is our little Grand Cru, uh, they spit out the oak. Uh, so too, um, you know, Merceau, and uh, and and the Wilms Vineyard, Four Mile Creek, tend to show the oak. So I had this idea, whereas when I was bottling the village last year, I said, that's it. Four barrels of Wilms, four barrels of Saunders Beamville Bench, and four barrels of Wismer Wingfield. We're going to bottle them. There will be no new oak, just one one-year-old oak of the same, Zami Vosges, two one two-year-old oak and two older like four-year-old barrels so i did them all the same way and truth be told i kept them for 20 months in oak waiting for them to lean out meaning to get more lean to get more terroir to get less primary varietal and by god it finally happened and with the wilms at the risk of losing the other two i waited super long so they would become more like themselves and what happened was of course, they all they all live through it. Wilms, we'll come back to it at the end if you if we dare. But Wilms shows a nutmegginess and a hazelnut that would I would suspect was some new oak, but it absolutely isn't. There's zero new oak in any of these, and they're the same barrels. And what we wanted to contribute, Mary and I, with this was we wanted to say, like we used to say about Burgundy and Oregon and Niagara, we wanted to say. If you're a diehard Niagara Lake lover and you've always been buying that, then look at our bench wines. And if you're a diehard bench person, right, there's these two factions here that, you know, I try not to subscribe to. And you think Niagara Lake is making, you know, marmalade. Well, then I think you need to look a second time. Let's do them all the same way. And this is where I, I lean on your expertise. I'd love to know other examples of the same company or the same person doing bench and Niagara Lake terroirs the same way so we could get to know them. Oh, did you stop talking, Thomas? Uh, you know, I, I find it really interesting. Um, I love wines like this that come from Niagara. It seems to be something we do really well, where we talked about the richness in this wine, where it's just like it hits your mouth and it opens up hard. And, like, there is a lot of that that, that spice to this, spice moving over to, like... Uh, very fresh peach, like not canned peach, fresh peach, uh, some pear notes, and it opens up, it, it, it gets, gets to the cheeks, and then boom, this like crunchy mineral note just like punches right through the mid-palate and leaves it, it's not quite clean on the finish, like it does have a bit of a lingering finish, but this is definitely an easier wine to pair with food than a lot of the bigger Chardonnays from Niagara. 
This I'm, is... not, I'm not going to argue with you on much on there, but I thought the finish was a heck of a lot longer. I like the richness of this wine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Peach... Get, you know what? I'm going to agree. Uh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Like, like you're you're right on on the finish. The finish the finish is, is long, but it doesn't finish with like that obnoxious spice and vanilla. It's like it's it's a good hit of fresh fruit with nice mineral. Like it's well, I, th- I think it I think it finishes with spice, but the linger is not spicy. Right. The, the linger is that nice fruit. It's that good acidity. Uh, I got yellow and, and white peach in here. I got some crisp apple. I got some really nice citrus notes, with the, which is that acidity. This, this really is a, a very pretty wine. And if you realize that it is from uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is the warmer part of Niagara, where you do think it's going to be kind of jammy, kind of rich, although there is a richness to this, uh, you know, you you Thomas, you've really... Uh, you really showed a different side of Niagara on the Lake uh, Chardonnay here. It's it's big and elegant. If if this wine were a person, it's like Adina Menzel. You're calling Adina Menzel big and elegant? Like I don't know if the woman's gonna like that. I'm not talking about her, but like I mean, it's the presence that she she exudes on stage, right? Like that woman's voice when it when it opens. It fills the entire room, but it's just pure elegance, you know? Oh, let it go, Andre. You had me the minute you mentioned her name. I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. At least you get it. Some of us are a little bit higher culture than uh, than Michael, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Okay. So the point is, I would love to come back to this uh, at the end. And and, and your, your description, Andre, will come almost for sure into play again but the point is if you've had a again nobody here wants to trade on the french or on burgundy we get that we don't want to say this is like a merceau the other one's like a puny but i'm just saying if you happen to be in france or to tasting of french wines here and you go from merceau to puny to chassin or whatever or saint-aubin you maybe shouldn't come back because they go towards the finer, especially in a meal. But intellectually, when you're not having a meal, you should go back and you should check it out. And and I agree that that with everything you guys said, there's nothing that I have to say that's different. But from a producer's point of view, what is so fun to listen to you too, which as you know, it's rare I shut up and I did, <laughs> is that <laughs> it's that we just are in the cellar saying, I see that difference. So when people are sitting there obsessing like you did and say, here's the difference, you just listen. So I would like to listen again about Wilms once we've been through all three. If for sure it can't look as tight and mineral as it does now, once we get to the bench, you'll know you're in the bench. But that said, uh, I think it'll maintain in this trio uh, a place of honor, you know. So which one are we doing next? Yeah, Thomas? yeah. That's so the re- there's there's as as we all know, and as your as your auditeur know, that um, there's always more than one way to taste things. But the way I'd like to push it this time is because I've lived with these a lot and I've obsessed about them a lot. Let's not do east to west, but let's do closest to the lake to furthest to the lake. So love it. We have to go all the way over to Beamsville, three point nine kilometers, and I have driven in my car. Could have done Google Maps, I guess, or Google Earth. I've driven in my car a few times, and it's 3.9 kilometers from the lake, Saunders Vineyard. And the importance of that, I realize this is not a visual medium, so we have to talk in metaphors. But for anybody who is not hang from on, Niagara, on, not on, even from Toronto. Hang on, what's that? We just got to get this going. There we go. You know what? I think I know your your readership, your pod, oh, podstership. Stretches far and wide. I, I suspect that many of the people who listen to you already love Niagara, but some are just finding out about it, right? Oh, that was a nice sound. And uh, we have to describe it. It's a region that is right on Lake Ontario, where if you come in from the airport and you were asleep because you're jet lagged and you wake up somewhere around Beamsville, you might think you're on the East Coast Ocean. It's so big. If you're looking down towards Kingston, which is north, northeast, you can't see anything. You can see Toronto off to your left side, but you can't see anything. So the lake has such a huge effect on us. Like Lake Erie has maybe some sort of unmeasurable effect 
It's part of the Great Lakes region, but Lake Ontario is so unfathomably deep. Notice I use the word fathom, like in Old English. And uh, uh, I got to say, though, when you're in the fall and the summer is over and that lake is warm, think of going to Maine or Nova Scotia or New Brunswick and swimming. You want to swim towards the end of the summer when the sun's been on that cold water all summer long. So once the water does warm up, it turns from a cold sink into a heat sink, and that's where it reflects back. So when you're closer to the lake, like Wilms, you get the summer heat and the lake effect. When you're further away from the lake, like 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 Saunders, you get the effect of the lake a little less, but you're still 30.9 kilometers away. But now you're on the bench, which has thinner soils, more minerality. So it's an intoxicating combination and i think i'm not going to mention wingfield let's just taste saunders see i i i was tasting it while uh, while you were talking thomas i get a kind of a buttery peachy note but a lot of minerality almost a saltiness here with uh slightly bitterness on the finish not a bad bitterness but there's a bitterness on the finish whereas compared to the Wilm, wilms i got more of that you know richness on the finish there's definitely a leaner aspect to this wine but and it also feels like there's there's still more a little bit more oak influence too like i'm getting i'm getting vanilla and like almond on the nose like layered over the the mineral yeah that's why i was saying it had that butteriness had that almondine there's there's something about this wine that although it's he says it's 20 months no new oak it it does feel more oaked than the wilms and i guess we have to compare it to the first wine that we tried uh, just to to give it some context as well, right? But that minerality and that saltiness is is all over this thing. Well, I just love listening to this again. I shut up, and again, I'm not going to shut up afterwards. But I got to say that this is what I friggin' love about terroir. And when we started the I4C, right, as a as a community, we realized that Niagara had this amazing propensity for Chardonnay. And so the first thing I got to say about that is, if you don't like Chardonnay, that's okay. But we do the good stuff. Of course, the Riesling is killer here, but we can do world class Chardonnay, and it's different in every sub-app, and that's what we're trying to explore. So the barrel fermentation thing comes from Burgundy, from southern Burgundy, called the Cote de Bone, and it's all about the oxygenation that takes place while you ferment it in barrel. It's not about making a varietal wine. Hey, I'll have a Chardonnay, please. It's about making a Wilms or a Saunders. And the longer you bring that up in barrel, and Elevage en français really means upbringing. Did you have a good upbringing, Michael? I thought he had a rather poor élevage. It's that same, it's, or good. I don't know, hey, Michael. Hey, don't badmouth bad my mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was just using it as an example that I know nothing about. But the point is that the <laughs> élevage... The élevage does get you towards more towards what the land tastes like. If you bottle something earlier, then a wine may well be oaked or it may well be, that's a good Chardonnay. Whereas when you get to know single vineyards, whether they're in Merceau, in you know, Four Mile Creek or in Beamsville Bench, you get to know the personality of the Appalachian. Not Batchelder, not Thomas, not how much new oak. That is Beamsville. You get to get be able to do that. And that's part of the quest that Niagara's on right now. It's not just us. It's, you know, it's everybody who's serious about Chardonnay and Pinot and Gamay, Cabernet Franc and Riesling. They're all trying to define this peninsula in real time. Plant vines before you plant any more houses. That's the not so subtle message. I like this. I like this wine, but I, I know for now I'm, I'm, I think I'm leaning more towards Wilms, but. I mean, both I'm of these. De I'm definitely leaning Wilms. Bo I'm both of these are definitely. Lean, I'm leaning that way. Both of these are definitely like my my style. Like I'm a big fan of of both of these. Oh, what's your style, Andre? That is Chardonnay. I thought we were past that. I thought we were past that. Come on, we we went through the two thumbs up where uh, there wasn't full consensus, and like. But you liked every Chardonnay on two thumbs up. Every Chardonnay. They were all good Chardonnays, so shut up. Label, Michael. label, label, my friend. So uh, just to say, could we uh, change this to another subject now? Because uh, the kid is getting 
upset that his parents aren't getting along. <laughs> you knew what you were signing up for, Thomas. <laughs> so shall we I'm move to, to the wing? Should we move to the wing field so that we uh, we can compare all three now? Yeah, I'd just like to say one more thing though is you guys, uh, you guys were talking about what you're talking about, and I just wanted you, I think, to go back to the beginning of of of, of what you said and say that you did still know somehow, because we got into a bit of a, again, these are all fermented the same way, but um, this for you guys is, is showing the oak influence a little more, although there's no intention to oak, but when we first got here, you guys did say, okay, we see we're on the bench now. There's a there's more of a searing minerality here, right? Yes, for the, for the bench, yes. I'm and the, inter- the interesting part of all of these wines, Thomas, is I opened mine previous before we started the podcast. Because he's a cheater. And I, I, had, I had my wife try them uh, because I couldn't tell her I was, I was going to podcast about Chardonnay, which is her favorite grape, and, um, and say, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have a glass later. So she actually tried all three of this before any of us, and she picked her favorite. And I'll let you know what that is at the end, if you like. Okay, and, 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 and for me, because we're... We're what we'll call for this moment. We're all pros. I would like to think that when we get to the end, the end is not Wismer Wingfield right now, but we revisit each one and we just have a little parlay to see uh, if we if we stay that because a lot of it's birth order, right? Uh, Andre, were you the firstborn or the lastborn or the middleborn in your family? I was the firstborn. Of how many? Of two. Michelle, I'm the up middle child. Uh, and I'm the firstborn the of three. <laughs> no, I think the baby's the f***ed up one. The baby always. <laughs> oh no! Are you kidding me? Now we got me? Thomas oh. adding to the swear jar. It's it's the middle child, right? The first one's always loved by somebody. The last one's always loved by somebody, and the middle child gets bupkis. Oh God, it's so true. Anyway, so long story short, we are opening Wismer Wingfield, and uh, actually. That is not why I wanted to speak about birth order. I was trying to say, <laughs> I was, but we'll lead up to it. I was trying to say that uh, because Wilms has a Niagara Lake broadness to it and quotes less minerality, but still tons of minerality, but less, I've found time and time again, it shows best first. But then when I'm with people who are really into it and who aren't label buyers, I go after again back to Wilms, which we'll do after Wismer Wingfield. So the birth order is important. So if we started with Wismer Wingfield, which is a full six kilometers from the lake in Vineland, and uh, one of the reasons, you know, and you guys know, I'd love Vineland to be an Appalachian and not part of 20 Mile Bench because I find it so different across the 20 Mile Creek or waterfalls, Balls Falls, over in Jordan is so different, but okay, it's it's all one sub-appellation, and uh, Vineland is so far from the lake, and you might know Wismer Foxcroft not only from Batchelder, from, but from Clousley and Kevin Panagapka. I've, I've made wine Trail. from I've made wine from uh, Wismer Foxcroft. That's right, and I have it in my cellar. And you know that 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 is a great site. This is a full kilometer further. And the point I never remembered to make in the early years is that Wismer Wingfield West is is not only a kilometer further and 50 meters higher. Now, Niagara is not Whistler. We know that. It's a low place. Niagara Lake is 79 meters above, you know, sea level. Now, God knows how that water at 79 meters ends up out near Les Îles de la Madeleine with only 79 meters to flow downhill, but I digress. Uh, but this is like 200 meters in Vineland, so quite higher and quite further. So instead of saying we harvest this two weeks later and it's ripe and rich, we harvest this two weeks later and it's barely minimum bricks. And for your podcasters, what I mean by that is you have to have a certain amount of sugar, which will give you a, a certain amount of alcohol if all goes well. And this barely gets to the legal single vineyard level of 20, 21 bricks. This would never be 24 bricks, meaning when we get this, this is maybe 12% alcohol, right? And 
And if you're, you're, ta- for, you're yeah. talking about the Wismer, correct? Wismer Wingfield, so far from the lake that by the time it ripens, it's ripening on the lake effect of the warm lake. The summer sun has so we've lost got we got thirteen point five percent alcohol in that one. Yeah, but what happens is then you have another effect that we need to talk about, which is you leave anything in barrel for twenty months. The angel share is one action, but the action going the other way, which is you're reducing, it's like a reduction sauce in the kitchen. Every time you leave something uh, a year in barrel, you're going up a percent in alcohol to the point where now I'm actually going to think, okay, yeah, this is getting into deep waters here, gents. You may want to cut this, but I'm actually going to think like it's going to be hard for Batchelder with 20 months of Elevage to put out a, a 12.5 because if we pick out a 12.5, it's going to go out at 13.8. So, but I'm going to be more and more empowered if the seeds are ripe, if the seeds are are, are brown, and the, the the skins are not totally green, and there's some of them going towards yellow, and the flavors are good. We'll pick at 12% alcohol and maybe concentrate over the uh, 12 months up to. 13%. And in case this sounds like magic mojo stuff, it's like we all know liquid evaporates. And if liquid is evaporating at less than 80% humidity, you know, you'll you'll favor the evaporation of water. And if it's over 80% humidity in your cellar, uh, you're going to evaporate alcohol. So Andre to the point of your trip to Burgundy, okay. Burgundy tends to, with their wet wet fucking winters evaporate alcohol because their cellars are moldy full of mold because they're 85 90 percent humidity in the winter in their cellars we have you know dry winters by comparison and we're down at 60 50 percent humidity we're heating part of the house or this or that it all has effect on the cellar and will evaporate out water you evaporate out water, your alcohol goes up, not down. Interesting. Burgundy, the alcohol goes down. And this is like, who cares about this shit? But we're all trying to manage it. I want to harvest right grapes and deliver terroir. I don't want to have 14, 5% wines, and I don't want to have 11, 5. We just want to manage the terroir and and have a decent comparison when you taste different terroirs, right? But it's not a perfect, it's not, it's not science, it's craftsmanship. So, but can it's, we it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here, and uh, I'm going to say that uh, Andre, this is your favorite, isn't it? It is not. Oh, really? Um, I actually, it, it's I like this. I like this as much as I I liked uh, the Saunders, but I find there's like a bruised fruit note to it. Like, uh, it's got like bruised Macintosh apple, which is a flavor I love. Like, I love taking my bruised Macs and cooking them down into applesauce, but this isn't quite applesauce. It's not that cooked. No. Um, but, like, there's definitely a bruisy note to it that I like, but I don't... But you prefer in what's going on in the Wilms. Yeah. Wilms, Wilms is, is where the party's at for me. Like yeah. Wilms, Wilms, Wilms is, is delicious. This this Wismer, I've got, uh, I got subtle pineapple, bitter melon, peach pit, a uh, hint of butter on the finish. Uh, but this also has a kind of a... Uh, kind of a Cali, uh, Cali Chardonnay vibe. It's slutty, but it's kind of tasty. <laughs> What's oh Cali? I thought you were saying. Remember that brand, Cala Lees? I thought oh. you were. Going... No, it's got a kind of a California vibe going on here. It's yeah, slutty, you know when, it's when tasty. you say it, it's just like I was so focused on the on the fruit notes. It's just like like the the, the note that I just wrote. I'm, I'm making notes as we're we're talking here, but it's just. Would you say this Wismer is is the middle child? Well, no. This is this. I I cannot comment until we go through all three again. Okay, because, but I just because... want to give a little shout out to my few friends in California, of which I now have less. Michael didn't really mean what he said about you. <laughs> I didn't say they were all slutty, <laughs> but they might all be tasty. I don't know. So. Um, no, it's, it's just like, I feel like compared to the Wilms and the Saunders where you've got this like unbelievable elegance with that, like I find that the mineral note in really well-made Chardonnay from Niagara just kind of, it it brings some elegance and restraint to these massive wines where in the Wismer Wingfield, the mineral note is like jumping up and down, screaming for attention that it's just not coming. 
So, well, that is exactly right. I didn't want to talk about this right now, but what happens is this is the one that, uh, to continue the current metaphor series, doesn't give it up on the first date. So I would say that this mineral screaming up and down, look at me, will only knit in a couple of years from now. But the crazy thing about wine, as you both know, and you proved to me blind in the Stump the Chump episodes, is, um, is that because this minerality may knit in and produce, let's just say for fun, the most complex wine further on, it doesn't mean that the Saunders, the Wilms, will suddenly fall down. They may, you know, your broader wine can age well and it ages on alcohol or your more tight wine can age on uh, the minerality and on the acidity or another wine, let's say Saunders in this case, could age on the combination of all those things. So with that, I'd love to go back. And Michael, you took what I said a one way. I mean it two ways when I say birth order. Birth order, Michael was saying, is this the middle child in the family? You served at last, but is it the middle child? I was saying in this particular case that the way I serve them for you dictated the birth order of service. But there's also the, the birth order of terroir, the birth order of when you pick them. All those depends which way you want to look at it. But today, all I was saying was I put Wilms first for fear that the broader Niagara Lake style would suffer at the end. So we'll see if it does now, but we've already liked it. So we're less likely not to like it now, if that makes sense. So you, you want us to pour a little more Wilms? I want you to pour a little more everything, but let's start with Wilms, please. I got to say, so my wife is in the, uh, the other room, the, the non-studio room, uh, taking an online wine course. I'm not sure through whom. Um, but she's been coming in and, and tasting. After she tasted the Wilms, she tried to take the bottle from me when she came back for uh, a bit of the, a bit of the Saunders. So is that, that's a good sign, but it could also be a sign of the one bottle your paw was not on. You have to be very careful, Sherlock, with this. Oh, well, so we, you we must we've have got not this. your paws. In. Listen, we've well, got I go, this I go back. To, I go back to my wife. My wife's favorite wine, and she tried all three of them. Uh, she loved that Wilms. Just loved it. Well, I love hearing this, especially... Especially like, since it's not for sale it. on your website right now. <laughs> well, that's why I love it. I love it that that you guys pointed that out. I love it that the podcast has gone this way. Mm. Because it's like, listen, remember when you were a kid or, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you can only go so far talking about how great something is before I'll say, hey, well, the other one has its merits too. It's not just that they're all my babies and I want them all to shine. There's that aspect to be sure. But it's also the fairness in that the fact that what the f Niagara has such different terroirs. Can we not stop and honor them? Well, nobody has stopped and honored them. And I'd love to know. I would love it. You know, I think the closest I can think of is before I even knew where Ontario was on a map. I'd had Inniskillens, that's a joke. I had Inniskillens Seeger Vineyard, Shule Vineyard, and Montague Vineyard. I know that two of those are Niagara Lake now, and one's Lincoln Lakeshore. But oh my God, I thought they were all Grand Cru's. And this was before Andre Prue was born and before Michael was legal to drink. Uh, but it's okay because Michael was drinking illegally at that point. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> so that that Seeger Vineyard, there's a lot of rocks in there, isn't it? I'm just yeah, kidding. I mean, like a rock. I, okay, sorry. I I just had to do that. Michael, you got to stop. Andre wanted your, me to do Mercury you, jokes yeah, you anymore, so I got to come up with Bob's music references. Jokes like, oh my god, Michael, can can you update your references? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there was a cut. There's something that's likely to be. Cut. So, uh, <laughs> so you know what? My my first sip of the Wilms, I really didn't like it after the. Um, after the Wismer, but then I, mm. I sipped it some more and I, I really, I really, I still like it. So I'm still on, on team Wilms. But, but, but Michael, can you see, um, can you see why I do it first? Cause I want it to shine yep. my, if, okay, put it this way. If I put it after the Wismer Wingfield and the first time you tasted it, not the second, but the first was after the Wismer Wingfield with, as I quote Andre, the minerality jumping up and down, look at me, you might see it as broader than it is. So 
I want each kid to go up for its piano recital or its or its you know drum solo or its ballet solo. Each kid does what they do, and I have to put them in an order so that people can see them for what they are. After what they choose is immaterial. We made. 1,200 bottles of each, 1150 after the loss, right? So, uh, so it's just interesting, and I and I think more and more, and we've talked about this slightly before. As we go forward, we have got to talk about single vineyards in Niagara because that avoids the commoditization of wine. We've got to get people to say, "Oh, I love the Foxcroft," and you guys say, "Are you talking Foxcroft Riesling, Chardonnay, or Gamay?" Because those are all, that's a great terroir for those three, you know. And as you've noticed also, Jordan and Vineland, where they're right to be called the 20-mile bench, I'm not against them being called the 20-mile bench, but where they're right is that both those terroirs do Riesling, Chardonnay, and Pinot. That's that's almost all they do in those terroirs, right? And it's like nobody legislated them, as in France or Italy or Spain or Germany, it was so far from the lake that they couldn't ripen anything else. Yet these early grapes they put in there take a long time to ripen because they're far from the lake, so they get more flavor packed into them. And that's the beauty of it, you know? And, like, if I had gone out with a Niagara in the Lake that was young and fleshy and didn't have the gravitas of this Wilms, that's why I wouldn't do it before. I really wanted Niagara in the Lake to, uh, to show its stuff and you guys made me so happy by getting it. But now you still have to taste the other two again, even though you get it. Can so I've, I've gone back to the uh, to the Saunders. Okay, I'm going to do that now. I'm doing it too. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of of the same opinion, although more I, I, I find it now, uh, I, I, I guess I as it opens think, and, and, and like... as it warms, it is it too is starting to show its, uh, its oak influence. And I think Andre had mentioned that earlier, that it, it showed its oak oak influence even from the get-go and i think it's it's starting to show its oak influence even more as it as it stays open as it as it quote unquote warms let's say i'm I'm standing by my description of um of the wilms vineyard as adina menzel i think that's perfect but i don't know michael who who would the saunders vineyard be if they were a wine can you do that Jeez, I, it's Chardonnay, Andre. That's your that's your belly. No, no, but I hear Andre. I hear you, Andre. You stepped out there. I'm listening. Your reference. It has to be a singer, in fact. Yeah, we got to be a singer here. I'll do I'll do Wingfield, and I have no idea what I'm going to say, honestly. Oh yeah, so you put me on the spot with the. Okay, uh, with I'll the... go for Whismer Wingfield. Okay, you I know have what? To taste it again. Uh, Andre, can we have about a minute and a half on this? You know, I, th- I think I think for the Saunders Oat Vineyard, since I'm making Michael update his his uh, references, I think it's a Zach de la Roca, the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine. Who the? F- it's got like a it's it's got it's got an edginess to it, but it's just like it's it's got a message, but it's still like you know the the big things for me is it's just like you know the 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 fruit like the things that are really you know kind of sweet about it fall to the side and it's more about the vanilla and the nuts and like the the spices and I don't need to know about this guy's nuts not about his nuts anyways Rage Against the Machine these nuts I remember that Saturday night uh, skit when they were talking about marijuana when they say uh, the squirrel squirrel will tend to play with his nuts instead of uh, storing them before the winter. It was oh, a great do you remember Shvetty Sh- Balls? That was pretty funny, too. That was the if, best. If we're going to do... Balls. The best thing is... Michael, Michael, if we're going to do a, a Shvetty Balls reference, you got to get really close to the microphone and talk in a low voice like this. Talk, talk about his, that we're getting the Shvetty Ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But there's no you know, Shvetty Balls because it is cold as balls outside right now. It is, it is surprising how... Um, how cold it is! Uh, Wednesday uh, of last week, we had 16 degrees down here in St. Catharines, but uh, now it is uh, eight degrees with a wind chill of minus one. Believe it or not, I know. I'm going to bring my plants in. We've been pushing the season. We got plants outside. I, the I reason listen- you're pushing the season is because it, you're you got nothing better to do, right? You're That's right. stuck at home, and you're like, "Hey, let's do gardening." My wife's like, "Let's go buy some plants," and I'm going, "No." Listen, can we talk about your sweaty balls just one more time? <laughs> you're, 
you have to understand, like I was situating before about what Niagara looks like, because we don't know where people are who listen to this. So I also have to say that all of Canada is on the U.S. border, and we have a fabulous thing called the CBC and Radio Canada. But we also have the great boon of having American public radio. It can be Vermont public radio, New York public radio, or, or, or you know, or Seattle, uh, Washington public radio, if you live in Vancouver. And we listen to them, and they give us another uh, another look at reality, especially since their public radios tend to pull in the BBC for real newscasts. And so uh, I saying that with a smirk. But the point is that on the TV side, uh, we, they have, a, you know, public television and they talk like this. And yes, we're doing the maple service. We're doing the maple syrup harvest it's actually called sap and they're so earnest so the sweaty balls episode with uh what's his name alex uh alec baldwin and um two of the greatest comedians of all time uh they uh, uh, three of them from from saturday night live when you watch them the the ugly christmas sweaters they're wearing are not christmas they're winters that's supposed to be the way they dress all the time because they're tree huggers from Vermont or from upstate <laughs> New Hampshire or whatever they're supposed to be from. It is a linguistic and cultural capsule. Look at the sweaty balls. Uh, all right, I know neither one of you. I know neither one of sweaty. you. No, no, Zach De La Roca for the the second wine, but I'm I'm really, I'm I'm back to the Wismer. I'm I'm pondering it. In the little bit of time it's been open, the bruised fruit has now turned a little riper. It's a little bit of like pineapple pineapple puree but like the bruised apple note is still there and to me it just feels like feels like a little a little melancholy tasting it like very sweet like mm. it's a it's slutty but tasty so you know so who would it be if it's who would it be if it's a person like who is the person for the third one is that madonna no madonna's <laughs> no, a little bit cool. too happy and the music's gotten Gotten, gotten. Hey, these days, they these days she wants to be slutty and tasty, but I think she is a little melancholy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's not old, you know. May I remind you that when American school children were were uh, this is like fifteen years. How ago, you can go from ago. sweaty balls to American uh, school children? I am not really sure, but I'm going to leave it at that. The uh, the uh, when American. Uh, School children were were polled ten years ago and given the choice between three choices. I forget what the third one is: Madonna as a singer or Madonna as the mother of God, uh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. They all voted for Madonna the singer. And you know, I mean, uh, it's it's quite funny because we've just passed Easter, but it's true. Nobody knows who's Madonna is anymore. So ultimately, John Lennon was right, I guess, when he said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus Christ. But that got him killed. So let's not go there. <laughs> so uh andre you want to put the the wines in order your chardonnay is your uh, is your thing uh let's see how we uh we compare on this one hang on hang on hang on i've got the name on the tip stevie nicks the third wine is stevie nicks that's what it is i'm there with you it's fully she's, stevie nicks we got the stevie nicks here she's she's elegant she swirls around with her lace dresses but like She's the, the whole the whole core strength. the whole Fleetwood Mac story is just a little bit of like it's sweet tragedy. So like it's it's got that like it's got the fresh fruit like the pineapple pushing through but it's still that like bruised fruit, right? So like you know there's a story to tell about that. Yeah, no, that's that's what this is. It's it's Stevie Nicks. If I'm ranking them though, uh Wilms is is Wilms is at the top of the pile. Um like head and shoulders, but I mean, all three of these are excellent wines and bring something that if you love Niagara Chardonnay, it's worth trying all three of these. Um, okay, and then and then what's your what's your second choice? Uh, honestly, it's a tie between the Saunders and the Wismer. Uh, they they both bring bring very interesting things to them, but they're very very different. I it would depend on my mood. Right now, I'm I'm in a Wilms mood. Um, I, it depends on how I wake up tomorrow. The Wismer are both on an even keel. I uh, I went uh, I went Wismer and then uh, and then Saunders, for for me, that was that was it. But Wilms is definitely I would totally agree, uh, Thomas. That that Wilms is uh, is outstandingly good at the moment, I and mean, we know these are going to evolve and change over time. So um, as as they are, 
you know, we could do this this tasting in a year, and we would m we might be completely uh, you know reversed. Well, yeah, that's true, and I think if we can possibly get together after la libération. I would like to say, because it is a war we're living through, and, and, and you know, I don't like to refer to it every five seconds, because this is our moment of brevity here and levity, but I would, no, brevity doesn't go with Thomas. It, this is our, I don't like to refer to the war we're living through, because this is a moment of levity, although it's very serious to taste Chardonnay. Could I suggest that we get together in the summer and taste these three again? I, if people want to, en français on dit tranché, if they want to slice and dice and say which one they like, that's good. But you said it before when you say, try these wines. We're trying to put Niagara in some kind of order. We're trying to not impose an order. We're trying to ferment things and see what the order of, of the natural order is. And man, inter humans interfere in terroir all the time. Right, they interfere by ripping out a cherry field uh, orchard and putting in a Chardonnay field. But whatever they do, there's intervention. But then when we get to the vinification part, I don't want to intervene. Yes, I love barrel fermentation. And I love that it stays in barrel for 20 months and doesn't oxidize. It just becomes more like itself. And you guys have spoken so much wisdom. One of the things I love is to sequester barrels off to the side and say, this is a single vineyard, and the rest will benefit the village or our blackboard label, en français l'ardoise, for the Chardonnays in the LCBO. But when people say to me stuff about it, I'm like, I'm just not going to say much right now because I want to know how it... I never thought you would go down the melancholy path. I thought you would say, too much oak, presence of oak, more minerality, less minerality. This may... But no, we went down a melancholy Stevie Nicks well, and, and, no and, and you know what? I think it's very it. it's very apropos of what we're what we're all going through right now. And honestly, being able to connect with with you, Thomas and Michael, is a bit of a silver lining to what we're all going through. Thank God for technology. And I will take this opportunity to close the Chardonnay episode of the La Violette release with Thomas. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to order the Wilms online at uh, bachelderniagara.com. But if you can't, go to the website, order some of the wines, support the local wineries. Um, and these wines are, are just so great. So, Thomas, thank you so much for, for getting us to connect with them. I sent both you and Michael a link to Renegades of Funk by Rage Against the Machine, so you know what I'm talking about. And you'll know exactly what I mean when I'm saying that that wine is Zach de la Roca. Well, Andre, nobody ever knows what the hell you're talking about. Uh, I'm really you love them. I, as much as as I as I enjoyed the Chardonnay episode, Andre. I know that the uh, next time we have Thomas on, uh, I am going to uh, uh, be very excited on Spilkus, as they say, uh, because we are going to be doing Gamay. So. Uh, with that said, I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com, and he is... Andre Pru of AndreWineReview.ca, and joined with us is Thomas Bachelder of... I'm from right here and right now. I'm sitting in my cellar thinking I better get home and cook supper. Of BachelderNiagara.com. <laughs> Take us away, Michael. Good night! Y'all come back now, here. The thing I love about Thomas's winemaking is it's not... Um... It's not predictable what you get in the bottle. I mean, there's some years where the vintage variation is, is completely out of whack, especially with the the chalkboard label uh, Niagara Chardonnay that's almost always available in vintages. I'm not sure if it's an essential or not, but it's it's pretty damn near it. But 25 bucks, one of my favorite go-tos. But uh, I never knew that that was based on a chalkboard menu. Yeah, neither did I until until this podcast. I was just shocked, and I'm like, "Where, where does that come from?" And the boom, it's a chalkboard menu. I'm like, "Oh, well, that's a that's a shocker." Um, you know what? I did enjoy comparing the Chardonnay, uh, the, the Chardonnays with people and music. So if you go to underwinereview.ca, when the write up is is up about these wines, you'll I'll post a link to um to all the artists that I referenced. I, I think both you and Thomas were a little shocked when I said Zach de la Roca for the the Saunders Oat Vineyard Chardonnay. Actually, I was. Uh, you know what? I have to. Uh, I have to say, when you went Stevie Nicks and you got mad at me for going old school, you went pretty old school. Ah, uh, Stevie Nicks is still relevant, whether you like it or not. 
I mean, no. you, you make that same Mercury joke. Like, nobody listens to that song anymore. No. No. I don't know who's Anyways, listening to Stevie Nicks anymore. We're about to record the Pinot Noir podcast, where I'm sure you're going to make a crappy Mercury reference at, at that point. But uh, If Thomas brings it up, I'll say it. <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone who's been subscribing to the podcast and listening to the podcast. We hope that we're keeping you good company uh, during uh, quarantine and COVID. We really appreciate the listens and to everyone who's taken a, taking taken the time to email us, two guys talking wine at gmail.com. Uh, support us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, it helps us keep the lights on. Uh, you know, a second shout out to Adnan Isel, who continues to be our, uh, our banner uh, sponsor, so to say, our banner patron. And, and I'd, I'd also like to uh, give a shout out to Pierre, who uh, seems to uh, email us after every podcast to tell us something he liked within it. And usually it's an obscure reference. Yes, so we know he's listening. Definitely. I always appreciate it. Um, anyways, I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And as always, stay safe and good night. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.